0: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Read All About It podcast. I'm delighted to be joined this time by Hannah Lafferty, who writes a book blog on Instagram, Barefoot Book Club. Edinburgh born and raised, Hannah studied history at the University of Strathclyde in Glasgow before heading off to Australia, where she lived and worked for a few years. And after subsequent travel in New Zealand and Asia, Hannah has come back home to Edinburgh and she's planning to return to university to qualify as a high school history teacher in order to pass on her love of the subject to future generations. Hannah's other great love is reading and her Instagram book blog is testament to that. It features book reviews as well as opinions on a whole host of subjects related to books and reading which I'm sure we'll chat about in the course of this podcast. Hannah, welcome to the Read All About It podcast.
1: Thank you, thanks for having me.
0: I mentioned, obviously, your Instagram book blog, Barefoot Book Club. So the first question for me is, where does the name for your Instagram book blog come from?
1: That is a good question. It came to me fairly quickly. I'd kind of thought about doing um, a bit of blog for a while. And I guess it comes from thinking back to when I really got into reading, which was when I was traveling and, and living in Australia and To put it bluntly, I was barefoot most of the time, just kind of living on the beach and just living a really kind of laid-back lifestyle. And yeah, for me, reading is a kind of way of relaxing and just being kind of raw and by yourself and never happier than being barefoot and reading a book. So,
0: Interestingly, though, I was going to ask then, because obviously... For, for anybody who reads, it's, it's that idea of, you know, that way you kind of escape into a book. And as you say, you, you can never be happier than when you're sitting with a book. But then you've kind of taken it that stage further where you're kind of sharing your thoughts on books and also like a whole variety of different things related to to reading. And what was it made you decide to take that step from just enjoying it yourself to then wanting to kind of spread the word, as it were? i
1: would had a few people kind of messaging me asking for recommendations for books and asking you know how did you get into reading that kind of thing and it occurred to me that it wasn't really something that a lot of people actually see a lot of content online to do with there's lots of you know you go on on Instagram and there's fitness pages and food pages and all that kind of thing but I kind of noticed a lot of people were coming to me as if I was the person that they knew that read books Um, which was kind of funny but it just seemed like a kind of good use of, of my energy and I get really impassioned and I was having really good emotive conversations with people about books and then kind of saying to me you get really into it when you talk about books you should do that more widely so it just kind of grew from there it just became something I, I didn't really expect to get much um, interest in it and it's still like a relatively small blog but it's um, it's been really nice to see people actually do take an interest and in, it's something that people hopefully find valuable and, and helpful.
0: It's quite nice as well if you're the, the go to person for, for book recommendations if let like amongst your friends and that kind yeah. of you know, circle of friends, if they you're the reader and, and if they're looking for something, I, I think that's quite a nice thing to have.
1: Definitely it's an honor. I feel if there's a little bit of pressure when it's close friends. They're like, what should I read? And that <laughs> I'm kind of like, oh I hope they like it. But yeah, it's definitely nice that they think to ask me and, and they they trust my judgment to an extent.
0: And I was also wondering as well, you know, are you reading now with a view of, you know, what am I going to say about this book if on my blog? Does that change how you how you read books and how you, you look at them because you're then going to share your thoughts with the wider world?
1: Yeah, it does, I think. I'm, I mean, you've seen the blog and anyone that's seen the blog knows I'm very kind of honest and, and critical of things I read anyway. But especially now, if I'm reading a book and I feel like I'm not really getting into it or not enjoying it as much as I would like... I do fast forward a little bit in my head and think, how am I going to present this objectively and and give it a really honest and thorough review? But equally, when I'm really into a book, it it makes it so much more exciting because I kind of can't wait to share it with people and can't wait to encourage everybody else to go and read it. So it just makes me a little bit more conscious, I suppose, of, you know, the impact of the book and and looking for kind of messages and things in it as well, which um, is always something I try and convey in in my um, reviews.
0: We'll probably talk about your book in the course of this podcast because I've, I've kind of read through your book blog and it's interesting how it's kind of evolved as well. And it's even kind of expanded beyond just book reviews to, you know, talking about some of your likes and dislikes, but also giving people advice in terms of trying to re-engage uh, with reading. But we're going to take you back on your literary journey. And I think like uh, a lot of guests have been on the podcast and I have to tell people that, again, you have agonised over these choices and it's never a definitive choice anyway and, and I'd said to you when we spoke before the podcast that probably as soon as we finish recording you'll be thinking I wish I'd chosen this book or that book and I suppose for me pinning you down to five books that's quite a difficult choice.
1: Mhm. Yeah definitely. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, in terms of if we go back right back to the, the first book which would be your favourite book from childhood and the one that you've actually you've gone for it's the Georgia Nicholson series by Louise Renison why that choice?
1: I remember They're just the ones that stick out for me the most, being a child. And and I wasn't, admittedly, I wasn't a big reader when I was younger. I kind of dipped in and out of it. There were certain books I I would read on a whim, but I wasn't wasn't how I am now. I couldn't really kind of sit down and get into a book. It just wasn't something that I enjoyed as much as, you know, my older brother was very into reading. He was all about Harry Potter books and, and everything like that. And I never really got that. And these books, I think, were the first ones I remember thinking, yeah, I love those. And they really, they were just so funny and lighthearted, and they were really geared towards young girls. And a lot of people listening probably maybe haven't read them, but are familiar with the first one that got made into a movie, which did really well. And it's kind of just a classic coming of age, typically cheesy, really British, but they were just so light and easy to read. And I have such a clear memory of being a child on holiday and reading them I remember sitting on a plane and, and laughing out loud at this book and people looking around and being like she's having a great time and I was <laughs> so um, yeah they've always stuck with me I remember waiting for those to come out the way that people queued up for Harry Potter and things I was like that with these books and I still have them all I'm looking at the big stack of them right next to me and I've got every single one of them signed because I was lucky enough to meet Louise Renison god years and years ago at the um, Edinburgh Book Fair so they're like a precious little slice of childhood, I suppose.
0: So, what age would you have been when you started reading? them? because the first one, uh, the one you'd kind of flagged up, I think it's called, or uh, that was turned into the film, Angus Thongs and Perfect Snogging.
1: The 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 movie was called that. The the book was actually called Angus Thongs and Full Frontal Snogging, which is even more cringy. Um, <laughs> I had a look because I was trying to figure out what age I would have been. And that one actually came out in 1999. So I would have read it long after it came out. I was born in 95. But I think I probably was reading them age around 10. The latest one came out when I was about 13. So probably from around 9 or 10 until until early teens.
0: Because it's interesting, one of the things that I've always read about, and particularly for anybody who's writing books aimed at young adults or, or kids, that quite often the key to success is to to read books or to write books for an for audience who are maybe slightly younger than the character. So I'm guessing that maybe the characters in those books were slightly older than, than you were when you were reading them. But it's almost kind of a glimpse into what is ahead for you as, as you get older.
1: Yeah, that's actually true. I've never really kind of noticed that. But she is, you know, it's kind of a book about her going through her, her adolescence, her teenage years, which... Yeah, when I when I started reading them, I maybe thought I was (laughs) I probably thought I was that mature and grown up, but I definitely wasn't. So, yeah, there was probably a definite element of kind of looking at that and being like, oh, that's how life is going to be. And actually, they're hilarious and really cringy and actually very accurate for most people I know.
0: Because the other thing that I always think, you know, you were saying about just being on a plane and, and actually laughing out loud at a book, which which doesn't happen that often for any of us. But I kind of suppose from that early age gives you that gives you that sense of joy of what a book can give you, and and even if even if you don't realise that when you're reading it at that age, but it's kind of subconsciously letting you know that books are fun, books can be enjoyed, and that kind of that becomes ingrained in you.
1: Yeah, definitely, and that's I'm sure other books did give me a sense of that throughout the years, but like you said, those are the ones that that really kind of stuck in my mind and they did they just they sparked so much joy and so much hilarity and also because they were so successful a lot of my friends had read them maybe not all of them but I had read them so it became such a talking point and it was for a lot of people George and Nicholson or, or the name of that that movie as well are such kind of well-known institutions certainly in my circle of friends you know it's it's like a shared experience that we all kind of had which again is another kind of joy of reading is is the conversations around them
0: I was wondering as well you know quite often um, when people have chosen a book from childhood and ask them have you gone back and read them and is it just something that's nice as you say you've got the whole collection they're all signed by the author which is is something which is always it's always going to take you back to that time when you kind of really first engage with reading
1: yeah I haven't haven't gone back to read them I'm kind of tempted to, but I don't know if it would if it would ruin the magic a little bit because they are so definitely geared at children. I kind of had a flick through earlier, and even just looking at like the size of the the typeface and the fact that it's pinned as being a, a child's book, um, I don't know if it would make me feel nostalgic or if it would kind of take away the magic. But I've certainly gone back and watched the movie in <laughs> in my adult life, and um, it's still just as brilliant. But I feel like I would maybe maybe save the books and if i have any children in the future if i have a daughter in the future then i can pass them on and relive it then
0: <laughs> but again i think which is a lot what a lot of people do and because it's kind of it then allows you to go back and, and remember enjoying those books when you were that age as well yeah exactly in terms of uh, this literary journey we take you on then from the kind of childhood books to the more kind of teenage formative years and again if anybody who has read your uh, book blog, The Barefoot Book Club, will know that uh, with your next choice that you're a big fan of this particular author.
1: Yes, I am. It's um, a definite favourite.
0: So the, the book you've chosen is Two Brothers by Ben Elton. Why this book? But also why, why are you such a big fan of Ben Elton?
1: So that book was the first Ben Elton book that I that I ever read. I can't remember the first time I read it. I've read it a couple of times. And I actually would read it again now because it's been a while since I last read it. For me, I think at the time, it was probably the longest book I had ever read, um, which served as a bit of an achievement in itself. But it was also something that really kind of tapped into my own personal kind of passion and interest, which having studied history, obviously is is history and was kind of focused on conflict and war history. And although, so for those that don't know, it's, it's a book kind of around, centered around um, Nazi Germany without of giving away too much about it but it's a subject matter that's obviously been done so much in in books and films and tv and things like that but for me the standard thing with that book was that it was centered in such a kind of well-documented and reproduced part of history but the story was so personal about the two the two brothers in the book and I think that's one of the things that I notice in Ben Elton's writing is his ability to kind of create a character that Can be in any situation. So, every book I've read of his has been so different in terms of its setting or, you know, time period content, all of them so, so different in the tone. But the one thing that always carries through is that the characters are so well developed and you really get a sense of who they are and you completely get taken on a journey with them, which for me is the main thing I look for in a book. I never, you know, finishing a book and feeling like I wasn't invested in the character is kind of the biggest letdown that a book can have for me. So that's that's one of the best things that I think he's great for, is getting into the mind of a character, no matter how different they are. You know, he's written from a female perspective, a male perspective. All of them are just so real and genuine, and the stories and the relationships between the people are so well-weaved together.
0: Is he kind of, you know, sometimes you get favourite authors where you just know you're already looking forward to when his next book comes out and uh, from your point of view you're already you're already there you already know it's going to be a good book because you've as you say you've maybe gone through these different books and the different subject matter different characters and you know you are convinced with him as a writer now I think in your book blog you called him a literary genius if I'm, <laughs> if, I'm if I'm not wrong
1: <laughs> probably I probably did that's a bit cheesy but um yeah I would say so he is just I can't imagine picking up a book of his and being disappointed at the end of it and it's also, you know, there's a lot of authors that are really good at doing their thing, but they write a lot of kind of similar books. I can't, I can't think of an example off the top of my head, but my mum, for instance, is very into like period dramas and she has a favourite author that writes that kind of book. But with Ben Elton, it's always something different. I, I can't think of another author off the top of my head that does it quite so well that whatever he brings out, whatever he writes next could be completely different and something that I maybe wouldn't necessarily normally pick up off the shelf based on what it's about, but because it's written by him I know it's gonna be good. So it kind of opens up a lot of different genres or topics that I wouldn't necessarily gravitate towards just because I know that he'll do it he'll do it well and he'll make it interesting.
0: The only book of his I've actually read is Dead Famous. And do you know I think sometimes for me, because he's so well known, I found it hard not to hear his voice. When I was reading it, which I think, when I hear him speaking, normally can be a wee bit, sometimes a bit sanctimonious. So I kind of finished the book and it was okay, but it's kind of put me off going back. Which again, I, I probably shouldn't, because I've read other people who, you know, I, I know their voices. But that, that's what's put me off reading some of his other books.
1: That's interesting. I actually I have to admit I haven't read that book, but I've heard, I've heard of it, and I've heard good things. But I completely know that feeling when you're reading something and you have a picture in your head of the person who wrote it I guess I benefit from kind of knowing him as an author more than anything else so I know I know what he looks like and I know he's done so much other stuff but I think I read that book before I knew certainly two brothers anyway I read that before I knew who he was and it's only over time having read more of his stuff that I've become more familiar with him so I suppose I benefit from knowing him as a writer without a actual audible voice first and foremost
0: that's probably, you know, definitely an advantage in terms of Ben Elton. In terms of the, the subject matter of that particular book, and I know, you know, you've obviously studied history, you want to go back and, and study it again with a view to becoming a teacher, and it's, it's obviously it's a, it's a passion for you. Is that a particular period in history that, that's of interest to you, that kind of whole Second World War, Nazi Germany, the Holocaust, etc.? Yeah,
1: definitely. Um, I think I said to you that, that with every category of of books that we're, you know, talking about today, I probably could have chosen a book about the Holocaust. As dark as that sounds, it is something that has been, it's been very well documented, but it's also such a a kind of topic of interest. And the main thing that interests me about history is the way that it affected people in their kind of their daily lives and, and just normal people. And I think I do seek out a lot of books to do with it, because that's a really good way of almost personalizing the event if that makes sense so it's one thing to sit in a classroom and learn about statistics and watch you know old world war ii black and white footage and and learn about timelines and that kind of thing but for me the fiction or not fiction but kind of based on true stories fiction books around that is the the kind of the best way to immerse yourself in that period of history and actually understand what it would have been like to live through it and you know, it, it kind of separates it from being a class or lesson and more putting yourself in their in their shoes and actually, you know, understanding how it would have been at the time.
0: Because interestingly, I, d- and I hadn't realised this until again, I was uh, just doing some research on the book that Ben Elton's family had actually, I think, had escaped from pre-war Nazi Germany. So I think this was a very personal book for him because obviously to an extent it's maybe telling part of his family's story, which, which makes me then kind of think well should i go back and revisit ben elton again because of that connection and how he's approached this subject
1: yeah i think um i do i remember seeing that i think the book is um, dedicated to to family members that he had that that did um experience all of that and it's hard to say whether he would have had that that much insight and and done that much research into it otherwise but i definitely think it comes across as as a piece of work that's definitely it's approached really kind of respectfully and and personally and it's very well done, very delicately put together. And especially as it's about two young people growing up through it. So there is a sense of that kind of innocence that runs all the way through it. That I think certainly if he's looking at it as his own family, there's there's much more of a, I suppose, sympathetic approach to it. And, you know, there, there's a sense that he's very protective of the characters and it's not presented in... A kind of sensationalist way, if that's the right word to use.
0: If nothing else comes of the podcast, it means I might go back and and revisit Ben Elton. Uh... (laughs) That's a win in my book. Well, you're listening to the Read All About It podcast with me, Paul Cuddy, and my guest, Hannah Lafferty. And Hannah, we're on to the next book. And that is a book you would recommend to anyone. And it is The Handmaid's
1: Tale by Margaret Atwood. It is. It is a classic. One of my all-time favourites. There were a few that I kind of circled around. What brought me back to this one, I think, in all honesty, it's probably the one I've recommended the most to people. I think almost everybody that's kind of re- asked me for recommendations or I've had a couple of friends ask if I can put together a full reading list for them and it's always one that's on there for a few different reasons I think first of all it's when it was written really strikes me and if you've read the the review of it on my page um, I do kind of touch on this for the time it was published a kind of ahead of its era critique of society and looking back on it now it's almost a little bit scary to to see how much of that dystopian universe that she put together is actually mirrored in today's society. And I think it's something that everybody can benefit from kind of looking at. And there is an element of it being quite a feminist text. But I think, you know, whether you're somebody that identifies as a feminist, although I think everyone should. um, But I think it's something that, that everybody could kind of benefit from. It's, it's just a really honest, but kind of, you read it and think, God, that could never happen. And that's so terrifying. But to look back on it so many years later and actually draw so many parallels between that back then and what the world is actually like is is quite confronting. And I think, especially now that she's gone on and, and written the sequel, which just came out, I think it was last year, The Testaments came out, and um, somehow that many years later has has managed to follow on the story so perfectly, and it's gone on to become a huge success on on TV. It's just... One of, those, one of those stories that I think everybody should be familiar with. It's kind of like a, a Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings thing where everybody knows about it. And I think, I think it should be like that.
0: I think you're absolutely right, actually, because I'm, I'm very aware of the novel and the kind of themes behind it. And, and I think it's extraordinary that any writer, as you say, writing so many years ago, is almost predicting what is, is coming to pass. And it's, as you say, at the time when people are reading it, i probably thinking that's, that's a bit far-fetched. But I actually, I have to confess, I haven't actually got around to reading it yet, to my eternal shame. You need to. <laughs> <laughs> no, I will. Uh, so that's now Margaret Atwood and Ben Elton I've got to start reading now. So in terms of the, you mentioned there, uh, the the sequel, The Testaments. Were you excited to read that or was there a kind of slight apprehension given how much you had loved The Handmaid's Tale?
1: Quite often with with a sequel coming out or certainly with like a film or TV series adaptation, I do not dread it but I'm apprehensive that it's going to somehow spoil it but actually with this one no I was I guess I was dubious as to how somebody would do a sequel to a book that was written so many years ago especially now that it's become such a overpopulised thing with the TV series and and the book obviously came out after the second book, sorry, came out after the the TV series had already carried on well beyond where the first book left off. So I was very intrigued and I suppose not quite convinced as to how she was going to do it, but I was excited just to kind of see if that perspective that she put into the first book, if that had shifted given how much of the insight in the book has actually kind of come to light like we just said and it did it was so so well merged but also so current I don't know of another instance where somebody's written a book and then decades later written a sequel but but still somehow managed to line them up perfectly so it's impressive
0: How do you feel about books being adapted? Obviously, everybody seems to think or readers think books are better than TV or film. And I know you've written about it on on your blog as well. How did The Handmaid's Tale adaptation stack up against the book?
1: You're right. It's definitely it's it's one of the things I get most passionate talking about. But um, The Handmaid's Tale TV adaptation is one of the very few that I will say was really, really well done. But it's also done in a kind of a different way than any other that I've seen in that. The first series, and possibly the second, I can't really remember where that break-off point was, but certainly covers the story that the book covers. And since then, the series has had so much success that it's actually continued on and you know, the plot and everything is well beyond where the book left off. So it's a complete kind of piece of art in its own right, which I think usually I would, uh, I don't think I would enjoy because, like you said, readers think the book's better and, and when you've read a book that you really love, you kind of don't want it. be tampered with or reimagined or expanded on because it's great as it is but for whatever reason I think the series is actually done so well and it's it's one that I could keep watching and it just carries on I think because um so much of the ideas were conceptualized the series has done a really really good job of slotting that into a modern day context and you can tell that as the series has gone on, it's being fueled by the current world and it's a really good kind of meshing of the two. I think that's why it's had so much success, because there's been so much press around things, for example, you know, laws to do with reproductive rights in the USA. Um, if anyone's read the book, they'll know that that's pretty close to the themes of the book. So I think when all of that was happening in the States a few years ago, it added fuel to the fire of, of the creativity of the TV series and kind of let it grow legs of its own.
0: On that kind of subject, have you, have you ever gone to a book on the back of having watched either a, a TV series or, or a film and enjoyed it? And then, you know, when you've it it's been adapted from a book, you've gone back and, and then subsequently read the book?
1: I actually don't think that I have. And I was speaking to somebody about this just the other day on on the book page because I admitted that I haven't read Harry Potter and was getting... I know that's really shameful. In my defence, I did listen to the audiobooks. But my reasoning was that I got taken to see the films when I was really young. I was only six when the first one came out. And for me, half of the kind of magic of a book is, is imagining the the setting and the characters and what they look like and especially if it's a book that's really descriptive in its location so much of the the enjoyment for me is painting that own picture in my head and I don't think I've ever watched the movie or the tv series first and then gone back because for me half of that joy is kind of already gone and I would yeah. be comparing it and when you you know if you read a book and then you watch the tv series or the film you are comparing it and of course, usually the screen adaptation misses lots out and it almost never looks exactly how you pictured it. And there's always an element of kind of disappointment. There are rare cases, I think, where it's done really well that you, enough that you kind of overlook the things that are different because everybody's picture in their head is going to be different. But I think, I wouldn't rule it out, but for me, I've never felt really compelled to go back and read a book when I've already seen somebody else's visual representation of that imagined story that's what's so great about reading is that you can have those shared experiences and conversations with somebody else but there's always a part of it that's going to be really personal and and kind of sacred to you because your mind's eye can't actually be read by anybody else and seen by anybody else and it does depend on the book some books are probably easier to adapt than others Um, if they're not particularly you know visually descriptive or you know certainly things like Harry Potter Lord of the Rings where They're talking about an imaginary world and it's very descriptive and kind of magical. That's a really difficult thing to probably put down into words, have imagined in your head and then project it onto a screen that's going to fulfill everybody's imagination. It's just it's just never going to happen.
0: Well, we go from The Handmaid's Tale, a book that you would recommend to anyone, to a book that you couldn't be paid to read again. And it's a book called Never Let Me Go by Kazuo Ishiguro.
1: It's a hard one. I And again, in my review that I posted, I kind of said, I don't I don't almost don't know what to say on it because it was just so lackluster for me. So for those that don't know, it's the story of um, a group of now adults, but they were kind of reminiscing on their childhood growing up at this seemingly idyllic school. Um, and they were, without giving too much away, kind of part of something a little bit darker. It's, you know, it was a winner or it was shortlisted for for a Booker Prize. It's one that I've seen on lists of kind of classics and things like that so many times that I think I just had really high expectations for it. And I just couldn't get into it. I just find it such a slow... Process reading it. And, um, you know, what I was saying about Ben Elton and, and really getting into the character, no matter who they are, this book just really didn't do that for me. I felt like I had no emotional investment in the characters. I didn't care for any of them. I didn't really like any of them. And I think, and I don't know if it's because I've read some quite a lot of books that are, I suppose, a bit dark, but I think this kind of it thought that it was really shocking and I just wasn't really that shocked. So I don't know if that says more about me than the book, but um, I kind of looked at it and thought, nah, it's like nothing really, um, nothing really shocks me anymore, I suppose. But it just just didn't do it for me at all.
0: And is that a chat? you know, uh, given what you're doing on your, your book blog in terms of reviews? And it's it's always easier to write a a review really positive review about a book that you've loved the real challenge for any you know anybody writing a book review is to try and write a review of a book that you haven't enjoyed but but do it in a constructive way rather than just saying one sentence this was rubbish
1: (laughs) yeah um i always try i always really try to be as balanced as i can and get as much into review as i can even if i haven't liked it i think i focus on why i haven't liked it and and what i kind of would have preferred to see but also some of the positives in it but I I do and the reason I chose this one is because it's been the hardest review that I can remember writing and I also remember reading it and thinking oh do I just quit like should I just give up on it but I really I've I've not quit on a book yet and I don't want to start now so I always kind of if I start a book I will make myself finish it because sometimes it'll surprise you right at the end but unfortunately this one just (laughs) just didn't do it
0: Right, cause that's interesting. Cause that was going to be uh, my next question, because it's always that difference between some readers. Uh, I'm, I'm one of those readers where if I if if I was reading that book or a book like it and I, it was really floundering, I would put it down. I might go back to it later and try again two or three times and then maybe give up. But I don't force myself to finish it if I'm really not enjoying it. But interesting, it's interesting that you've always, if you've started a book, you just have this sense that you've got to finish it.
1: I think, admittedly, that's since starting the blog. I don't know that I would have done that before. And certainly in my younger years and throughout university and things, when I had lots of compulsory reading to do, if I wasn't enjoying a a book for leisure, then I would kind of abandon it. And certainly, you know, when I've had people more recently asking me how they get into reading, it's not something I would recommend. If you're trying to get into reading, then read what you like, because otherwise you will get nowhere. And you know that I do to an extent think life's too short to to waste time reading something you're not enjoying but in the interest of always kind of trying to expand my reading and read a kind of breadth of topics and, and that kind of thing I try and commit to things so that I can have also a really balanced blog I kind of I don't want to have a page as as weird as it sounds I don't want to have a page that's all glowing recommendations of the same kind of book you know Here's another 20 books about the Holocaust that I love because that's not that's not interesting. It's not an honest or or balanced kind of appraisal of all of the books I have read. So I, I kind of think it's important to have things in there that I haven't loved, but that I've stuck through so that I can then look back and be like, well, why didn't I like it? And how much can I tell people about this that they might like it, but they also might not?
0: I suppose the other thing as well for people who are re- who would read your blog, it kind of gives it an authenticity because you're not necessarily just, as you say, either speaking about the same kind of books or just constantly given, you know, that this was great, this was great, this was great. But actually, once people read a kind of review of Never Let Me Go, for example, then they'll realise that there's a real there's an objectivity when you're approaching the book, which I think is good if somebody's going to be reading book reviews.
1: Yeah, it's something I definitely aim for. And, you know, when I started that page, I really didn't kind of think of it as something that was ever going to be consumed by that many people. And like I said, I mean, it's not. It's still a very modest following. But I never went into it with a view to please people with the reviews. It was never supposed to be a kind of all light and fluffy and everything's great. And especially I get a lot of people kind of messaging me for recommendations, but I also post quite often asking for recommendations of books. So I'll read things that people recommend to me. And if somebody's recommended a book to me and they're then waiting for a review, I'm not gonna post and say, oh my gosh, I loved it. Everybody go and read this book if I didn't, because um, you know, like you said, if you read through my blog, there's a lot of my personality and, and my personal tastes that go with that. So hopefully if people are reading through every post and kind of getting to know what I like and what I don't like then it will help them figure out from that what they like as well
0: because one of the things I noticed in the blog and again I don't know if that's just something that's maybe developed as you've kind of continued to, to write but you know it's it's kind of developed from just book reviews to there's a couple of really good posts in there about how if people want to start trying to re-engage with reading the sort of things the kind of books they should read even setting time aside etc and just some good advice has that been something that you've just kind of developed from just simple book reviews and as it's the blogs developed as, as you kind of your confidence as a writer grows that you want to expand what you're writing about
1: and um, yeah so that's been a really kind of recent development of the page um probably since you know the whole lockdown situation has has come into play and I've had well I say I've had more time on my hands I I actually don't really feel like I have but I've kind of wanted to put a bit more time and energy into making it somewhere that's actually worthwhile and um alongside changing the 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 look of the page which is maybe not particularly obvious but kind of wanting it to look a bit more varied than just lots of pictures of books one after the other. But I also was kind of posting polls on on the story on Instagram, which I do a lot to kind of gauge what people are finding interesting, what they'd like to see more of, what they'd like to see less of, that kind of thing. Something that was coming through a lot from people that I knew, but also people I, I don't know that were following were things like, I'm not into reading and I don't really know how to get into it. Or I used to read when I was younger, but every time I pick up a book now, I'm more drawn to watching Netflix because it's easier? Or how do I figure out what kind of books I like? That kind of thing. Those kind of things kept coming up again and again. So I just thought one of the things I struggle with the most with the page is when I'm really busy and I'm not reading as much, I think I've not got anything to post because I've not finished a book for, you know, a week or two because I've been busy doing other things. So on the one hand, it's a really good way for me to to fill in those gaps and to still be putting something useful out for people. But it's also there's been demand for it. And um, yeah, it's something I definitely want to keep building on my notes folder in my phone is literally full of kind of drafts for future posts. So there's lots, 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 lots more of that kind of thing coming around book culture, getting into reading, getting the most out of it, that kind of thing, like getting the right reading playlist and without giving too many spoilers away. But actually taking the pictures and and doing the the visual side of it is what takes up most of my time because I'm obsessive about getting that right as well so it's definitely something I'm going to keep expanding on but it's taking a bit of time to kind of fine-tune and and get things get into the groove of that myself and, and how I want it to look and sound
0: Quite nice as well, Just if, if even just from those pointers that somebody then starts reading again and and either discovers or rediscovers that joy, and you can take a wee bit of credit for that.
1: Absolutely. I think um, I've actually had a couple of people more recently with the BBC adaptation of Normal People that's done incredibly well, but that was kind of the biggest book of last year. And so many people messaged me when that TV series came out asking if I'd watched it and if I was going to watch it, everything like that. And I think... I can probably, I could probably name five friends off the top of my head that I said to them, you are not allowed to watch that until you've read it. (laughs) It's a short book. It'll take you two days. Go and read it. And one friend in particular, who is one of the people who did message me um, and did inspire one of those posts about how do I get into reading? I think, in fact, it was her exact words were, reading's just not my thing. How do I get into it? She messaged me the other day and said, I've got normal people on my Kindle. I'm going to read it. And she read it in two days and she loved it. And now she's now she's going on to watch the series. I was like, that's fine, you're allowed to. <laughs> Look how easy that was. You read a book and you loved it. So it is working.
0: <laughs> now, you mentioned there that Never Let Me Go was probably the, the most difficult book review that you had to do for your blog. And if we go on to your the final choice, which is either the last book you read or the book you're currently reading, and I think on the blog you describe it as possibly the best book you've reviewed and that's Where the Crawdads Sing by Delia Owens.
1: Yes oh I just loved it it was there's a couple on there that I've really really loved another standout Ben Elton one would was in the kind of shortlist but Where the Crawdads Sing was so good for so many different reasons and it's quite a popular book right now it's kind of the top of a lot of bestseller lists and it's I suppose the trendy one that's floating around which sometimes is a good thing sometimes not so much sometimes it's it puts me off things but in this case I think it's getting the press for all the right reasons I do recommend it and that's another one that I've um recommended to a lot of people and I've seen a lot of people on on my social media and that kind of thing a lot of people that don't usually post about reading or books or anything like that that have posted about it so it's um it's obviously doing really well but it was I suppose what you'd call a slow burner i i started it after a friend telling me it was amazing well lots of friends telling me it was amazing but one particular friend who we always kind of read very similar things and we have very similar tastes and, and she'd recommended it and i in the beginning was enjoying it but i wasn't completely hooked and then about halfway through i just couldn't put it down and it's a perfect example of, of one of those books that was so visually descriptive And I don't even want to say it because I'll probably jinx it, but I just, I don't ever want to see it on a screen. (laughs) (laughs) I'm almost certain I will one day because it's done so well, but it's, well, to give a bit of a background, it's about a girl who kind of grows up in the swamp, I guess, and about her kind of experience being alienated from the rest of society. It's a completely random subject matter. It's not, you know, for instance, like the Holocaust, where I've read anything around That kind of setting before and the character was so the main character kaya sorry um was so individual so completely different to any character i've ever encountered in a book or a movie or anything and she was so alien from myself but somehow so relatable at the same time and and that's impressive for any author but the descriptiveness of the book i think was what really stood out to me and having done a little bit of research I know that it's actually Delia Owens it was her first ever novel which is insane but I think she also previously has written a lot of like reference books about nature and she's obviously got a lot of expertise about plants and animals and and nature and so much of that comes through which just makes it so much better.
0: So tell me this in terms of your review how much better did you feel when having posted this review of the book than Delia Owens' gets in touch with you to see how much she appreciated the review
1: oh i was absolutely buzzing <laughs> <laughs> i kind of looked at it and thought is that actually her because um you know she's not got the little verified tick but i think that's because she's just you know a relatively not yet particularly well-known author but yeah that was awesome i got that notification and kind of just stared at my phone like what
0: <laughs> i mean that's incredible you know that obviously you're reading the book just as somebody who who likes reading. You then give this review of a book that you've loved, but then to have the author kind of validates what you're doing as well, and it must have given you a real boost in terms of of what you're doing with with the blog. When she randomly gets in touch with you and says how great your review was,
1: yeah, massively, massively. I yeah, I was kind of lost for words, and especially how much hype there is around the book. I mean, I follow my or my book page follows a lot of um, other book blogs and book pages and it's one of the ones that pops up all the time there's so much so much coverage of it on instagram and on probably lots of other social media and forums that kind of thing so the fact that she even noticed it and and bothered to kind of read it and respond was was awesome but it did make me very conscious of the fact that when i'm writing a review that's maybe not so good that um i probably shouldn't tag the author
0: (laughs) Because the thing is, I'm, I'm guessing then that, you know, obviously that, I mean, that must be amazing, just as I say, for, for another to get in touch with you. I'm guessing that if, if Ben Elton ever contacts you via the, the blog, that'll be you, your, your your life will be made.
1: Yes. Oh my gosh. Ben Elton, if you're listening, <laughs> follow the
0: club. Yeah. Come on the podcast first, Ben. That would be oh.
1: cool. So you're going to have to get back into reading his books if he comes on. Yeah, exactly.
0: Well, listen, if he's been if he's listening to the podcast, he's, he's more likely to follow your book blog than come on my podcast. <laughs> Oh. interesting you mentioned you had recommended this the book to one of your friends who'd read it on a kindle and again it's always a question for readers book lovers in terms of the physical product versus the, the e-book again from reading your blog you're very much the book as a, as a product in your hand as opposed to the e-books although i suppose if for your friend the fact that she's read it through the uh, the kindle is, is still a positive thing
1: Yeah I mean whatever works for you if it means that you're reading then I think I think the Kindle is a great invention I think it's a great tool it's obviously very functional and and practical especially for kind of being on holiday and having a book with you and one of the things I'm planning on touching on in future posts is a really good way of getting into reading and certainly something that helped me is always having a book on you and friends will laugh at me because anywhere I go I always have a book in my bag, and if you're reading a, you know, 600-page book, that's a significant amount of weight to be carrying around with you. So a Kindle is is a really good way to make that a little bit more accessible to everyone. But it's just not for me, and I don't think it ever will be. And it's one of those things, you know, every year Christmas rolls around, and my mom's like, "What about Kindle?" I'm just, <laughs> nope, I don't want one. And I'm sure I'm not the only one, and you know, a lot of people are probably feel the same. But for me, you know. <laughs> it's weird it sounds like the pages the way that the pages smell on a book and like that feeling of a really crisp new cover and you know being able to look at a book and think oh I've just read half of it and you can see how far into it you are and everything like that just makes that whole experience even better I don't I can't imagine being curled up in a big beanbag with a kindle it's just (laughs) it just wouldn't do it for me you know I picture at some point in my future home having an enormous full wall bookcase and i want it to be filled with every book i've ever read and 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 i'm not ashamed to say that that is a way of showing off i want to be like look at all of the stuff that is in my brain
0: it's interesting you know the given the current lockdown and the amount of times obviously when people are being interviewed on television they always more or less always make sure that they're positioned in front of a, a suitably stocked bookcase
1: Yeah I've noticed that as well actually they were having a conversation about that on the radio the other day and um, I think they had started a game of kind of counting how many people how many politicians and and seemingly influential people positioned themselves in front of a bookcase. So you know it must be a mark of status. (laughs) My bookcase is unfortunately not that big at the moment so um, I would have to sit on the floor to be sat in front of it in any significant way but.
0: A book I read last year it was a guy who's actually I think he's a lecturer, a professor at the University of Edinburgh called Tom Moe and it's a book called The Secret Life of Books, Why They Mean More Than Words and I think it's a book you'd really enjoy because it's it's all about the fact that the book is, a, is an invention, as a creation how it, how it affects your relationships with friends, family partners in terms of gifts how it affects our culture and everything and it's a celebration of, of the physical book and as somebody who loves books I think it's, it's a book you would really because it kind of validates everything you think and you've been talking about of of the actual physical product
1: yeah i think i've heard of it but um i'll definitely i might have to have a look at that one and get that ordered because yeah it's definitely something close to my heart i think there's like you said giving gifts and especially just now i'm part of this kind of book swap thing that's been going on and um you know i received the book in the post yesterday from a complete stranger and that's something that you just you can't do that Online, there's just it's not the same. You can't. Well, you could. You could probably email someone an ebook, but it's just not the same thing. No, it's not. It's um, you know, I feel like it sounds really cheesy, but pages of a book hold so much more than just the words on them. It's you know, like that she wrote me a note and said that she'd read that on holiday. I'm like, that's that book that in the post from a stranger has been on holiday with her, and and it reminds her of that time. And there's so much kind of history in an actual physical book as well as the words on the page.
0: We're almost getting to the end of the podcast. One thing I was going to ask you, just in terms of your blog, do you always know what you're going to be reading next in terms of reviewing, how does that come about? Of what books you read with a view to reviewing?
1: I don't always know. I always have, I always have a waiting, I suppose, a waiting list of about four or five books, and I've got a recommendations list which is about fifty books long. I've always got plenty to choose from. To be honest, I generally choose what I'm going to read next just based on how I feel at the end of the one before so if I've read a book and it felt a bit kind of like a sad depressing book then I'll maybe read something that's going to be a bit more lighthearted. sometimes if I look at the blog and I think I've been really kind of slow with posting then I'll deliberately read something that's short and looks like it'll be really easy to to read quickly just to kind of make sure I'm getting as much kind of content out as I can rather than reading for instance, the the book Sapiens, which I read last year, which was a, a big, long, quite slow, quite dense book. And I have the sequel, but I haven't read it yet because I know when I read it, it's going to it's going to take up a good chunk of my time and I'm not going to be able to review anything else in, in the space. So sometimes I'll put a little poll up on my stories and, and ask people to vote. But usually that's just out of interest. I've, I've probably already made my mind
0: up. And are you just do you just read one book at a time or do you ever have more than one on the go?
1: I've tried to do more than one at a time and it just doesn't really seem to work for me. So I do tend to stick to one. The only exception is I have a non-fiction book by Tony Robbins called Awaken the Giant Within, which is a kind of, I'm not a big fan of like self-help or spiritual awakening books, that kind of thing. Um, But it's been very, very well praised. It was given to me um, by a friend and so far I am enjoying it. And that's more a book that you can kind of read a chapter at a time and then put it down and go back to it rather than it being a continuous story so that's one that I've had on the go in the background but other than that I just stick to one at a time because I don't I can't get into them properly otherwise
0: well, sadly, we are, we have come to the end of the podcast, Hannah. It's been really interesting talking to you. For anybody who wants to find out more about Hannah's book choices, if you go to my website, www.paulcuddehy.com, there's a page for each of the individual guests and all their book choices. And also, if you're on Instagram, Barefoot book club. If you follow that, then you'll be able to get Hannah's thoughts on the latest book she's been reading and why you shouldn't buy anything from Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, it's been it's been really uh, good talking to you, and I think your your book blog is a really great thing, and um, it seems to be encouraging more people to read, and that can only be a good thing.
1: Yeah, fingers crossed, and yeah, thanks so much for for having me on. It was um, yeah, it's been great.
0: Thanks for listening to the Read All About It podcast and I'd love to hear what you thought about it. You can get in touch via Twitter at ReadAllAbout20, on Instagram at ReadAllAboutItPodcast or you can send an email to ReadAllAboutIt at paulcuddehy.com If you've enjoyed the podcast, subscribe, leave a review and spread the word. If you haven't enjoyed it, say nothing to anybody. But I do hope you can join me, Paul Cuddehy, next time on
1: the Read All About It podcast. And in the meantime, keep reading.